0: From Good Shepherd Auditorium in Inwood, NYC, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home affectionately in this neighborhood we call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and this is Live and Local. It's our podcast dedicated to showcasing the musicians up from Manhattan. We talk with them about what they do and, best of all, listen to them perform live in one of our favorite local venues. Today, we are excited to speak with guitarist Bob Winbill. Cutting his teeth on the Beatles' show tunes and 60s AM radio, Bob first formed a blues duo with childhood pal Ralph Robbins when he was 12 years old. His high school band Edge played rock and roll, blues, and jazz rock fusion in the early mid-70s. Then, with the electric avant-garde jazz group outlet, he recorded three albums, one of which was released on the legendary alternative jazz label ESP Disc. He led and composed most of the material for the two indie rock bands from the mid-'80s through the early-'90s called Maud Lang and Marcel Monroe. Bob's hybrid concert instrumental and vocal music has been performed by Jed Dissler, Jenny Lynn, and many others. And locally, Bob played guitar in the Pit Band for Inwood's famous Pied Piper Children's Theater for several productions with his children, Bix and Genevieve, when they were on stage. After graduating from Lehman College, he became the electric guitar teacher at the school and formed the Lehman Guitar Ensemble, for which he arranges music ranging from classical to jazz to blues to pop to rock and roll. In addition, he continues to record and occasionally perform professionally with his bands Edge and Outlet. We are thrilled to have him here today on Live and Local and are thrilled to hear him play live for you now. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Winbill. Thank you. Bob, thank you so much for sharing the music. It was fantastic. It's great to see you. Thanks for being here. Appreciate being here.
1: Thank you, Aaron. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me on today. Sure.
0: So you introduce your compadre who accompanied you on bass today.
1: Sure. That's uh, Some people call him Al. I call him Alejandro. He's a student of mine. I met him, uh, I believe, in 2012 or 13. He was only 18 years old at the time, student of mine. And uh, we've played on and off together. He plays guitar and bass today. Obviously, played bass.
0: Well, so great that your student viewers can continue the relationship professionally with you and uh, how it matures and you can play together and still have that uh, camaraderie.
1: Yes, he's, he's he's more than a student. He's a he's a good friend.
0: Awesome. Um, well, please tell us what you just played for us, the three songs sure, you just played.
1: Sure, sure. The first song we played was one called Vigilance. Uh, it's... Uh, it's got a, a uh, the, the thing I like about that tune is that it starts with an improv and you don't get a melody until a good minute into the tune. Uh, so that was sort of how that structure came about. I wanted to do something like that. Like why, why is the melody always first? Let's have a little openness at first. And so, uh, vigilance, uh, the title came about, I think, uh, sometime during, uh, the former guy's term and, uh, that just seemed like a good word for that yeah, tune. Yeah, great word. Uh, after that, we played a song. Um, <clears throat> it's a very odd melody. Uh, in fact, it's a melody that goes wherever it wants, and so I gave it the title, Impertinent. The song was called Impertinent. Uh, so um, I, when I t- taught it to Alejandro, it, it took us a while to, to, to pull it together because... Uh, even though you see the thing on the the, the paper, uh, it's not a chord or a melody note you're used to going to at that moment. It's So it jumps around on purpose, that's the idea, uh, to be kind of a, a surprise at, at almost every turn. Uh, and then the third tune uh, we did was um, a ballad that I wrote um, dedicated to my wife, Kimberly Jean, and it's called "That Which Brings Us Close," and it's actually on a recording I did with Edge as well.
0: Awesome! Well, so very different—three really different pieces. Mm-hmm. And um, just curious, like, what is your relationship with melody? How, how do you incorporate in your songwriting? It seems like you you pay quite attention to. Is it is you start with the melody um, and then you work around it? Um, just curious—I am always curious about process and songwriting.
1: Um, I think. I think generally I get mostly inspired by harmony that that's where I sort of live. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, obviously I've studied, um, a lot about the relationship between melody and harmony. So, uh, two chords next to each other sort of, tell me where to go mm-hmm. melodically. I've, I know there are many composers who do it differently. They come with melody first. Uh, I think a lot of the great American songbook guys like Cole Porter and Richard Rogers, that's how they wrote. Right. Um, that's rare for me. I, I, I generally, because I play an instrument that is uh, harmonic, right? I play yep. many notes at yep. once. Uh, I think that has been always a starting point. Now, I, I play p- a little piano as well. I don't perform on piano, but I picked up piano for, that, for the reasons uh, because composers uh, traditionally play that instrument. Uh, you got that whole orchestra there under your fingers. So guitar is the next best instrument for writing, I think, actually. The second best.
0: You do pretty good with the second best instrument, oh, I'd say. Thank you. You bet. Um, well, you've had an incredible career that spans not only decades, uh, but nearly every form of popular and perhaps less popular music. Uh, let's start at the end, which also happens to bring us to the beginning of your career, Edge. Um, a band you started with nearly 50 years ago, is that correct? Uh, and put out an album, your first album, in 2020. Mm. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Um, it's a, uh, for those who haven't heard it yet, uh, it's a, a jazzy, retro-rocked uh, feeling album c- entitled uh, Keep Me Around. Um, and can you tell our listeners a story about not only the recording, how it came to be, but also um, revisiting it with your old Chums after fifty years.
1: Sure. Uh, well, these guys and I have stayed in touch uh, since I graduated <laughs> in seventy five uh, the keyboard player two two years later, and the drummer, I think, the year before me. So we were all pretty close in age. And uh, you know, it was a great time back then. We played dances, battle of the bands, little parties, and stuff like that. And then well went our separate ways and and did different things. Paul was in one of the pop bands I was in in the uh, 80s. He was in Mod Lang, and we've also done some work with uh, some other singer-songwriters, he and I. Um, but when the, uh, Mark moved down from Maine, that's right, our drummer moved, he was in Maine for 25 years, and when he got to uh, Connecticut, like an hour and a half from the city instead of five hours, he said, guys, you know, we should play. <laughs> And this was uh, about seven, eight years ago, I guess. And um, we got together, and it was like putting on, you know, an, an old pair of shoes. Like, oh, these are so comfortable. It was, it was so easy. And we 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 mixed it up with some covers. And Lee and I both um, have written a lot of music over the years, and we both got inspired and wrote a bunch of tunes and and then he and I got together Lee and I and uh, who he lives right up in Riverdale I said you know we should document this already okay let's do this and we did it in two sessions we it's pretty it's recorded like a jazz record mm-hmm. very very little fixes and o- almost no overdubs at all and uh, two mix sessions so two recording sessions and two mix sessions and we got got the album done
0: that's amazing. Well, I believe we have a track here to share from the album. Here's Interstellar, performed by Edge. stuff man fun it sounds like you recorded it uh, 50 years ago and this year which uh, hmm. <laughs> it, 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 it does it has, it has a timeless quality to it i feel hmm. um and um and i was curious you say you record like um a jazz album like were you all in the room playing together the whole way through uh, just, just so our listeners could kind of hear
1: uh, um, well well i mean the drums were in a, they oh, were in were a booth sectioned off right yeah, yeah. Uh, but but we were yeah we, we had right sight together. lines and yeah. played played at the at the same time. Yeah.
0: Well, you, it's kind of going off what you said earlier about when you compose, like you're you know, going right between the instruments. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so you guys are listening to each other, complimenting each other, mm-hmm. playing off each other, very finding so. finding the harmony in, amongst the amongst all of the different sounds around you.
1: Yeah, um, very much so.
0: I love that process. Um, well, uh, how did that song come about? Interstellar, Any particular.
1: Uh, yes, uh, it's. Uh, it's what's called a contrafact, and uh, contrafacts are when composers use another um, another tune's harmony, and you set a new melody. And the jazz guys did it all the time. I mean, the number of contrafacts on the tune I got rhythm is probably over a thousand. Charlie Parker wrote like 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, tr- it's a great tradition from that world. So I picked uh, a tune called Stella by Starlight, um, Uh, by a guy named uh, i think ned washington and it's just a beautiful song i changed the key put it in in uh guitar favorite key e (laughs) and uh put a put a intro interlude and coda on it and put a new melody on it and uh, that's how interstellar came about
0: wow stellar tune love it Hmm. absolutely love it uh, well, in the 70s, uh, progressing from uh, from where you were on the edge, uh, FM rock and AM he's, he's listening, blues, classical, jazz. It was all there on the dial to be found. Uh, it was a really great time to find inspiration from being exposed to many styles of music, like I said, and, and sometimes all in one station. Back in the day, you had that. Uh, you didn't have to have a serious XM radio where everything was so... Uh, a la carte and specialized. Um, so, uh, as anyone can tell from listening to um, your brief bio and the music you played earlier, um, you have a lot of musical tastes and influences. And um, you played in avant garde and like improvisational jazz bands that traveled the globe. But, uh, and being a teacher too, I find it interesting. Um, I found deep dig into your, your history that you also took guitar lessons from people as well and uh you had a lesson with jazz great pat matheny isn't that right
1: that is right i, I was fortunate to meet him it's a, it's an interesting story i was going i was going to go see george benson i think it was around my birthday so it was 19 uh, yeah 1976 or so and uh the tickets were sold out And my girlfriend at the time said, well, you know that record you got, uh, Bright Size Life, that guy's playing in the town over from where I, she lived in Westport, Connecticut. And I said, wow, great. You know, so let's do that instead. And we went to see Pat Metheny. He was playing with like a pickup band and there were maybe 35 people in the club that could hold 150. And I went up to him after the set, uh, the first set and I said, um, you know, my name's Bob, and glad to meet you. I love I love the way you played. And I, I said, Bright Side's Life, is that's my favorite song. And he, and he looked at me, I'm not kidding. He said, you know that tune? This is, I mean, this is before it broke for him. And uh, so he was very friendly with me because uh, I was an early fan and um, went to see him subsequently at some other shows and, and finally said, you know, could you give me a, a lesson? I'd love to have a lesson and I, I went up to his place in uh, uh, in Boston in a, you know, shortly after that, and um, it was great, I was with him for a couple hours, uh, and he actually played one of my songs, I'm so sad, I did not have a voice memo phone handy at the time, but he played one of my songs with me,
0: which was a great experience. Well, you always have it there. With you. That's right. You that's always right. have it.
1: It's out in the air, it's vibrating, it's out there somewhere.
0: Yeah, wow, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. Loving it. Well, I'm sure people are saying the same thing about you, your students. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I don't know about that. <laughs>
0: um, well, as we progress, uh, you, you you played in the performance art scene in the village in the 80s and 90s. And, uh, and then in the 90s, you kind of had more... Um, what you formed and playing indie pop rock bands like we mentioned before, Maud Lang and Marcel Monroe, and used to play like, down in the village, in such haunts like the Continental and CBGBs and that whole scene down there. And you guys had some college radio success too, right?
1: That's right, we did. We had um, uh, an EP that we put out. Um, well, Maud Lang not so much radio success with that, and it, it broke up. Uh, it, it broke up, and Marcel Monroe got put together. Few months later, uh, the first EP we put out was called "Love Is Not," and that got that got some attention, uh, which was very nice. And we were managed to get a few college gigs, you know, fairly local, 100 miles, 150 miles yeah. from where from the city. Uh, and then we put out a full length called um, "Framed," and that the 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 lead track on that got a lot of airplay. It's called uh, "True to a Feeling," uh, Kimberly Jean who was my bass player at the time, hadn't married her yet, uh, sings a beautiful lead on that. And, um, and then there was a, one more EP before the, the, the band broke up uh, called um, Scenes from a Checkered Past. So, yeah, we got some college airplay. We opened for some, some notable people now and then. And uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: It really was. Awesome. Well, hey, it, it, the best gift of all, it, it, it brought you your wife, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just say yes, okay? Yes. <laughs> awesome. And do you guys like, kick around at the house sometimes playing tunes and just kind of like shoot the breeze? We, we have up some stuff.
1: We, we, we do two, two, a couple of things. Um, one is we have a sort of in house band with my daughter, Genevieve, uh, and we're called the Sensitivos the three of us. Okay. okay. Uh we play mostly covers, once in a while an, ori- an original. Um and the the girls sing. I I don't sing very much in that group, but I play the guitar. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes Kimberly and I will just play some folk and blues around the house. Uh we both we both cut our teeth on that on yeah. that music. So uh it's very familiar.
0: Yeah. It's wonderful and music brings people together. Mm-hmm. Really want, awesome. Um, well, let's talk about your life uptown here. You returned to school later in life to finish your degree at Lehman College, which you won the John Cogliano Composition Scholarship in 2008. Congratulations for that. Um, did you intentionally study to teach? Well, was that why you went back to school? Or were you just going for the, the great pursuit of knowledge to help your professional career? I was never clear on that.
1: Uh, I, I do think it was you know to to get a legitimate teaching situation going I've always uh, I've given lessons since I was in high school you know I mean I was one of the good guitar players in my high school so I would give to some lessons to some of my friends so uh, yeah I you know when you're a musician you end up doing a lot of you know, Aaron. You, you know, you've been an actor and a director, and you, you do different things to make money.
0: You piece it together. Uh, you
1: piece it together, right? So, uh, I I just kind of got a little tired of that. Yeah. Um, and so, Lehman was a good situation, and John Corleano, uh, you know, is is this top shelf uh, composer, and uh, you know, he's he's mentioned at the same time as people like Phil Glass and Steve Reich. So um, I went. I went there and got the degree. And uh, shortly after, uh, they, they needed an electric guitar teacher, which was perfect. Very for serendipitous, me. really, very much so. So that and that's where I met Alejandra. Obviously, right? Yeah.
0: Well, um, I'm sure you have a lot to pass on to your students, and it's great you have him. As, uh, it's kind of like passing the torch in some ways too within Lehman as well, that, that's which is right. kind of interesting, right?
1: That's right. No, and and it's you know what I love about teaching. I mean, I I think I think this is a, a bonus of coming to it late in life. I mean, you know, my experience of music is, you know, you devote your life to music, so so you you have all this, you know, you know you know the the. The basic stuff, obviously, but then you have some some really arcane things. But but to be the first person to say to, to the name Bach or or Beatles to some eighteen year old in the Bronx who's like decided I think I think I'm going to be a music major, it's very exciting, you know, because I I can like kind of lead them down that path. So the guitar ensemble is one of the places where that happens. I've arranged both those Bach and Beatles for for uh, that ensemble. And it's, uh, it's just exciting to see them get, get turned on by like, and your bird can sing or, a, uh, or, a, a Bach, um, two part invention, you know,
0: so can listen to Bach every day and the Beatles actually, I,
1: I, I you, yeah, I, I do Bach really, I do the Beatles because, because there's less of it. Yeah. Um, y, you know, I, I put it away sometimes so that I can get the, the new thrill again.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, as a sidebar, and but related to um, Uptown composing and arranging, uh, isn't it true you compose instrumental music for the Pied Piper Pit Band there? I
1: did. I did. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Ray Ray Martinez uh, he was this amazing guy who, um, similar to yourself, actually, you know, came to the neighborhood and said, we need a theater company. We need something going on here. And he set this thing up, and it's been... Uh, It's just been great for the neighborhood. And my kids went through that theater from five to, you know, when you graduate there, basically when you graduate high school. And he had a fundraiser um, around 2010 or 11 or something. And he, something like a commission, you know, asked me to write something. And uh, I had gotten to know uh, James Noyce and uh, Keith Burton pretty well in the band. And um, so I wrote a a little suite. And, um, yeah, they're like... um, they're, they're definitely this hybrid thing, you know, when, when, I, when classical people hear it, um, those who are very, very serious about it, they, they'll, they'll say like, I, someone actually did say, Bob, that is not classical music. <laughs> you're like, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're right. Uh, but it's through, it's through composed. Uh, there's no improvisation. So. Different movements throughout. Yes. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, I hope uh, you can make that public sometime for the rest of us to enjoy at some point. Or maybe we can do another concert of it at some point. That sounds you good. Never know. That sounds uh, good. Uh, well, we've kind of brought us full circle to the present day and all that. Um, uh, here we are. We're post-pandemic, and we're still playing music. We're still sharing, which is amazing. And so before we say goodbye, I would like for you to uh, share. You have two more songs for us, right, to share with us. Uh, and what are those? Could you introduce those songs yes. to take us out?
1: Yes. Um, the the first one is uh, it's an untitled piece. Okay, so we'll just say it's untitled. Written. A couple, I love that song. My favorite title. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's written a couple of years ago, and um, it it just came up because we were when Alejandro and I were rehearsing. There was one that we were doing from the Edge record that just it just wasn't clicking. And we both realized it. And I said, "Okay, let me bring in this other thing because uh, I think that I think this might work." Uh, it's based on a chromatic melody for you music students out there. Uh, and and then uh, the last one we did was uh, just to give give a reference point to to listeners is a, is a Bob Dylan song called uh, "It's All Over Now, Baby Blue." It's you know one of the greatest uh, artists of not just the 20th century ever. Uh, so I, I love the song and uh, so I, sh- I showed it to Alejandro and hope you enjoy that
0: Is it the first time he's ever seen it or heard it by any chance? It is,
1: uh, I, you know what, when I played it for him uh, and he fell in pretty quickly he said I've never heard Bob Dylan do this, I, I've heard this tune so he's heard cover versions of it Gotcha, well
0: mm-hmm. no bigger compliment than that right? And mm-hmm. now he's covering it yeah, Here right. we, a full circle again uh, once again Bob Wimbeel Bob, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking time here today. Uh, do you have any uh, anything coming up uh, gig-wise, professionally with Lehman and or yourself that we could uh, alert people to coming up?
1: Well, I would just like to say that the Lehman Guitar, uh, guitar Ensemble, the student guitar ensemble that I uh, arrange music for, they do two performances, sometimes more, uh, per semester. And uh, people performances well during COVID, obviously uh it was a little difficult but um they are free to the public and um they're usually on the bill with the lehman jazz band we usually split a bill so you can find out about that at the lehman college website look at the music department there and there will be listings for those performances as far as my performing goes uh just i would just say uh Watch out for cocktail guitarists because that's what I do. I play a lot of music on the guitar, sometimes with Alejandro. And um, you can go to edgetheband.com and find out about the recording I did with um, the band that I met those guys in high school.
0: Awesome. Well, you have your marching instructions listeners. Go out, find Bob's music, or maybe find Bob himself. Uh, Thanks again, Bob, for being here and joining us on this very special edition of Live and Local on, on air.
1: It was great to be here. Thank you, Aaron.
0: You betcha. So again, folks, this is Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in northern Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Uh, Many thanks to the Church of Good Shepherd here at Inwood NYC for hosting us and to heightsites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks on Air.